In the Roman city of Corinth, the Apostle Paul saw a world brimming with trade, an exchange of ideas, power, politics, art, and culture. But the only thing that will endure forever is love. A reading of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in poetic adaptation. Love is patient, love is kind. Love loves to see others have a good time. Love doesn't need to get its own way, put itself first, or have the last say. Love doesn't lose it in anger and spite. Love can say, sorry, I'm wrong, and you're right. Love isn't selfish, love isn't rude. Even in bad times, love can bring out the good. When love gets hurt, it doesn't hit back. Love can stand up to taking the flack. Love is always honest. Love is always true. Love brings out the best in me and in you. Love keeps going. Love never gives up. Never stops trying. Never says, I've had enough. Love has the faith to keep strong every day. Love means living in the very best way. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Annie Dillard writes nonfiction and contemporary American novels. She got her start with a memoir called A Pilgrim at Tinker Creek, which begins by describing her home in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. She writes, I think of this house clamped to the side of Tinker Creek as an anchor hold. It holds me at anchor to the rock bottom of the creek itself and keeps me steadied in the current as a sea anchor does, facing the stream of light pouring down. It's a good place to live. There's a lot to think about. I love that metaphor of Dillard's house being a great anchor, holding her steady even as the waves wash about. It captures the sense of our worship series this month, Rooted in the Flood, reminding ourselves of what anchors us as people of faith amid the tumult of global pandemic and economic collapse. We started last week with working together like the Apostle Paul with the other tent makers in Corinth. Today, we remember the foundational commitment to love, that love for God and neighbor, which is the cornerstone of our house of faith. And there's no better description of such love in community than the 13th chapter of Paul's first letter to the quarrelsome Corinthian church. We're accustomed maybe to hearing 1 Corinthians 13 at weddings, descriptions of this ideal love that this marriage will hopefully embody. However, in their original context, these verses address the divided community that was the church in Corinth. One commentator notes that this is a message more to those on the brink of divorce than the beginning of a relationship. Paul is addressing a church embroiled in conflict over whose spiritual gifts are better. Some said that faithful knowledge of scriptural mysteries 
mattered the most. Others claim that prophetic powers were essential in order to understand the signs of the times. Still others insisted that glossolalia and ecstatic speaking in tongues was the only sure sign of the Spirit's presence. Their worship services were a cacophony of competing interests, all vying for their time in the spotlight. It made it nearly impossible to gather together for fellowship or to break bread in unity at the communion table. As it was then, it still continues in many places and ways to this day. Churches and other communities persist in sometimes bitter disagreement. Congregations get fixated on achieving essential needs, foolishly pitting one against another. Will we prioritize teaching ministries or digital outreach or volunteer service or advocacy for social justice or balancing the budget or music ministries or care for the homebound or something else altogether? I'm glad that at Edina Morningside Church, we generally don't see any of these as competing priorities, but each important in its own right. That said, though, I know we have our own history of bitter congregational divides. In Bible study this week, I heard stories of fights over whether smoking would be allowed in the fellowship hall, and whether the rolls at funeral luncheons should be buttered before serving. It sounds like we found a compromise to the great butter controversy, but some people left the congregation when smoking was no longer permitted. I can understand how passionate convictions can cause enmity and division. Indeed, when we take faithful stands for actions of justice and compassion, it sometimes necessarily means opposing other actions that would do otherwise. But Paul suggests that community life can become a food fight if ardent supporters of each position or spiritual gift presume that their concerns are more important than compassion for others. Paul tells the Corinthians that they are blessed with a multitude of spiritual gifts, but what's needed in the tumult of competing voices is a common understanding that will help make sure all people in the boat, no matter where they sit, are anchored together, rooted in the storm. So he points to divine love, or agape in Greek, and says, this is what will keep you secure and connected, even in the midst of tension. He describes in detail the love that grounds the ship of faith. He says in one common translation that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. In other words, love puts up with disagreement and has patience for the sake of the other, though not in a way that's self-erasing. This passage has occasionally been misused with victims of domestic violence or other people preyed on by the powerful, suggesting that if they were to really show love, they should endure all things. But love does not require being a doormat, forever nice, meek, or accepting in the face of harm. Sometimes love confronts in order to correct, like a parent 
with a wayward child. Agape serves others in righteousness, rejecting injustice, yet never seeking to snuff out the divine love for others or for oneself. This is the persevering love that in the Message Bible paraphrase, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Such other-centered love with regard for the care of all, no matter who, is being tested right now. In this time of coronavirus, agape love may be hard to find across screens or within the homes that we've largely been confined to for these weeks and months. What does love look like now? In the wider communities of the Twin Cities, love in Minnesota, or in the United States or the world. While we hear a growing clamor to quote, reopen or liberate after stay at home orders, love recognizes something else. In addition, love recognizes that this may be dangerous for the most vulnerable among us. So as we move forward through this pandemic time and gradually seek to reopen, how can we do so that in ways that put the care of others before love of our own way? Author and UCC leader Cameron Trimble writes that as churches and other businesses start to resume in-person activities, the question we face is, who will we leave behind? COVID-19 is with us until we have a vaccine or cure. We know that some of us are more vulnerable to being killed by this virus if we contract it. We are caught between the tension of restarting our economy and doing so while the vulnerable among us remain isolated by stay at home orders. Does your office reopen knowing that many on your team risk their lives by coming in? Who will we leave behind? Do we open the church and carry on knowing that our oldest members already struggling to engage new technology will be left out of important moments of being a community together? Who will we leave behind? Trimble suggests that the loving thing is to not leave people behind, but move forward in ways that allow the greatest possible inclusion. There may be multiple paths to go forward in loving ways. Some congregations have decided to keep their physical buildings closed for at least the next year, while others are still trying to find some safer ways to be together in person. We are certainly on the horns of that same dilemma. Yet as we seek to find the answer that's right for Edina Morningside, this morning's scripture helps us stay rooted in the storm. Paul reminds us what we're called to as a church of Jesus Christ. We're not a business like other businesses. We are ambassadors of the divine reign of love. Our Christian communities, like our families and our friend relationships, and every way we interact with others, they ought to be a foretaste of what God's reign will be like. We may not immediately transform the whole culture at large with agape love, but we can model such love in our personal and faith lives. 
trusting that this will be transformative in the wider culture like yeast is in bread dough. That's the opportunity and the responsibility of navigating this time as a church for each other in partnership with the most fragile and on behalf of our whole society. Who will we not leave behind for the sake of love? Amen.